Hey friends, and welcome to episode 21 of So Unbecoming. I'm Jamie Muskoff. We are three weeks away from the end of 2019. Can you believe it? I, for one, am excited to wrap up this year. It's been a rough one for me, honestly, uh, making a lot of changes as a result. So I'm very ready for 2020. There are a few really exciting projects ahead, including season two of So Unbecoming and a new podcast. That's a collaboration I'll speak more about in the next couple of episodes. But for now, let's talk about this conversation coming up with former Microsoft Software and Systems Academy site manager, now operations project manager for MSSA, Candina or Dina Janicki. Dina and I go pretty deep here into a few key things that I hope will help those of you who might be in a place of transition right now think about how to frame things as you move forward. Grab a coffee or a tea and please enjoy my conversation with Dina Janicki. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. So let's go ahead and talk about you. Um, tell us who you are, introduce yourself, your name, um, what you do, and how long you've been a military spouse. Okay, so my name is Kendina Janicki. Kendina is very difficult for people to say, so feel free to call me Dina. It makes it a lot easier. Um, I am currently a site manager for the Microsoft's uh, military um excuse me, Microsoft Software and Systems Academy program, which is means I'm a part of Microsoft's military affairs team. And my focus is professional development. So I'm a global career development um, facilitator and a career services specialist. And that's where my heart and my passion lies is in that. I have been a military spouse for 20 plus years now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You're like my hero already. No. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even started. All right. Um, okay. So today we're going to talk about a few things I know that are really important to you um, because you do so much to serve the veteran community and the military spouse community. Um, but let's start with um, military spouses and your thoughts on transition and how we're always transitioning. <laughs> it's it's interesting because I had heard a podcast from another spouse at one point and she talked about military transition when a service member leaves the service and goes into the civilian world, which is something I deal with on a daily basis and have mm-hmm. for years. And she made the point that a lot of the things that they go through are similar emotions to what spouses go through when we transition with uh, PCS movements. Mm-hmm. So whenever our spouse has a permanent change of you know duty station and we've got to follow along, you're leaving a job or a community or a support system and you go through some of those similar issues. Mm-hmm. And for me, particularly the area of transition that is deepest to my heart has been career. Mm-hmm. My career has definitely not been linear and it's been back and forth and sideways and I've fallen in some holes and jumped over some branches and mm-hmm. gone you know, backwards and forwards and any which way you can had transitions where it's taken six months to a year to get Mm -hmm. back into more than just a job um, to build a career. So you kind of learn some lessons along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a hard position to be in, but it's, it's one we gladly do for our spouse, but that doesn't mean it's any less difficult as you go. So I'm focused more now in helping other spouses to make that portion of the transition, because that's something I feel like I can help with. I can't replace your support system. Mm -hmm. I can't, um, 
replace the community that you had or how you felt or how your kids felt. But if I can give tools and ideas to help with how do I build a professional network that's wider than just the location that I'm at Mm -hmm. and what ways and tools can I manage to have a career while my spouse is still serving? You know, the old joke in our household was always the day you retire, it's my turn and you're following me. (laughs) And there's no you don't get a say about this. We're going to go. And then (laughs) here we are. And, you know, he's hitting 20 years and we're going. Well, now I have all these open possibilities and I don't know what to do Mm -hmm. because I haven't had that option. Every decision I've been made has been based off what the military dictated for him. Mm -hmm. So. There are a lot of similarities to a military transition for the service member as a spouse that's transitioning with each move that they make. So I, I thought that was an amazing point. And I wish I could remember and give credit to the spouse that said it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just really struck home with me. Yeah. And I mean, I'm feeling it 100 percent here. I mean, recently, I been very candid about the fact that um, this particular PCS move for me has been, I mean, I had, I, I have everything lined up, right? I was, I amazingly had a job lined up three months ago. I had, you know, schools picked out. I had all the things, you know, all the organizational things that you do, but then settling in here has been really hard emotionally because it's just, it's processing a little bit of a loss, you know, the loss. I, I miss my coworkers at Microsoft. <laughs> I miss, I miss <laughs> my friends and watch it. I miss the community that I was a part of because when we left, I felt like, gosh, you know, we, we did a good job, like, you know, making connections here. And so now I've, I feel like, okay, I, I already signed up and went to like a whole, you know, a few networking things and, you know, that feels great, but it's still like, it's kind of a reminder of, oh my gosh, I'm starting all over again. And this is a new place and I'm not familiar with everything and everybody. And it just, you know, in the meantime, my husband just picks up his bag and goes to the Pentagon and and gay him, you know, it's like just plugs right back in. Um, Not true for us, right? It's it's not quite quite that plug and play. So it it is definitely (laughs) not true. And you have it, it. You're exactly right that it's a sense of loss. Mm-hmm. Um, you build a reputation, you yeah. build a body of work, mm-hmm. you put in the effort, and it seems like the moves always coincide with right when you finally have your full stride. Mm-hmm. Right when you're you you know exactly what you're doing at your job, you've made your connections, especially if you're someone that's in a, a position where you have to do outreach to the community or you have to do outreach to the employments. So you get all that network together and you're nice and happy. And then the spouse <laughs> comes down and says, we have orders um, yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's time to move. And the next question is, well, how long do I have? Um, yeah. And and then it's, it's restarting. It's mm. recreating yourself. And, and that's a challenge for spouses with, transitioning, especially when it comes to the employment side, is really getting an idea of who you are, Mm -hmm. what you bring to the table, Mm -hmm. and what you really want to do. And when I say what you want to do, I don't mean just what's your job title you're looking for, Mm -hmm. what's the career title you're looking for, because you have to be open to opportunities. And it's almost more of there's an exercise we do called a job framework um, mm-hmm. that I learned from a wonderful instructor. And you basically look through job 
um, applications and descriptions that are out there. And you just start notating what you would want to do mm -hmm. and you have done. And then by the time you're done, you've got this long list of job duties and skills and things that you'd like to. And then you break that down to 15. Mm -hmm. If I had my ideal job, I would be doing these 15 things. And that's your job framework so that mm -hmm. when you're in a new location and it doesn't have an exact match, you know, I'm a site manager here. We may go from Fort Benning, where we're currently at, to Fort Riley and my position doesn't exist mm -hmm. um, and they may not have a site manager or something that's the equivalent of it. So I would have to look towards my framework mm -hmm. and what I want to do to be able to find something else that's going to further develop me in those 15 areas mm -hmm. so that I'm still building a career. It just might not have the same title. Yeah, that's such a good point and such a good uh, strategy. I was just having a conversation earlier today um, with Amanda Huffman, actually, who has also been a guest on the show. And we were talking about podcasts and how in in that realm, you know, what what's really important um, is that you're always very clear on what your purpose is, like, what, what do you do? What message are you trying to convey? And, you know, what is your show specifically about? What are you what do you want to get out of it? And I feel like you're telling me a very similar thing in that, you know, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, you know, even if we have to change jobs or job titles, it's really important to know what things you really want to accomplish. Like what are the things that you're maybe good at and want to get better at? Um, and I think this goes along more with like values too, you know, so what, what are the things that are, you, you don't want to live without <laughs> and you definitely don't want to tolerate <laughs> also. Right. Because it's like, I, you know, military spouses, as you had talked about earlier, one of the challenges is, yeah, you can get a job. Anybody can get a job from place to place. But, you know, you might go, go from being a, an attorney to being a barista the next time if you can't find a position that is, you know, that, something that you can do. But maybe there are positions out there um, that are more in the vein of law. Maybe you can't be an attorney at, at, in the first six or 12 months of where you're at, but maybe you can do something related. Um, and how do you do that? I think having a framework that sort of shows that list of here are the things that I I want to do <laughs> and here, and maybe here's the things I don't want to do <laughs> and, exactly. and work, working off those. Um, I think that's really great. And you can take that framework with you when you're networking, you can have, you know, nice copies of it that are um, particular to you mm -hmm. and take them with you. Uh, one example that I remember when I was going through my career development courses, um, my instructor mentioned that, they had a client that took one of these frameworks with them to just a networking opportunity with a company. Mm -hmm. And as they were talking about, well, what, what are you looking for? What kind mm -hmm. of position you're looking for? This client was able to just slide over their framework and say, well, this is what I'm looking for. And she said that, you know, the, the HR person just up and left and walked out and then came back in. And when they came back in, they came in with someone else because they had been looking on trying to figure out what to name a job. Huh. And that job had a majority of the skills and needs that were on that person's framework. Wow. So they walked in giving what this company was already looking for, but the company didn't know what to call it. 
Huh. So they had been working. Now that's an amazing, lucky opportunity, (laughs) but there is a bit of luck and opportunity that comes to this. And that's Mm -hmm. where it, it comes to the nice thing about the, the modern age and the ability of you and I to have this podcast and to talk Mm -hmm. from totally different locations and the um, advances of LinkedIn and networking. And that opportunity is we have the opportunity to continue to network even while you're working. Mm -hmm. And for spouses, especially that, you know, that that transition is going to be coming constantly professionally developing. So mm-hmm. even when you're comfortable and you've got your stride in that job, you're still keeping yourself open to opportunities. You're still developing your skills. You're still keeping in touch with people. We know the military is a small world. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter loves to say she graduated high school with somebody she went to third grade with in Fort Carson, <laughs> but they graduated <laughs> from Fort Benning. And it's That's crazy awesome. how that kind of stuff works. It's a small world. Mm-hmm. Well, the bigger world's still a small world and mm-hmm. the internet's made it even smaller. So you just never know who knows somebody sure. or who knows something. So if you're putting yourself out there and you're not just using LinkedIn when you're job searching, but mm-hmm. you're continually building those networks and, and keeping your professional network, you know, people that you've worked with in the past, mm-hmm. we don't, we're not in the age anymore where it costs me $5 to call you <laughs> to say, <laughs> Hey, how are you? So I'm picking who I really am going to keep in touch with. Mm-hmm. Now you can keep in touch with those professional references and you never know when you're headed back that way or when they know somebody at that next installation. So I was blessed like you were, this was the first transition in over 20 years. Um, that I had a job when I came yeah, and I had a job from the network that I had built Absolutely. and through that network, once I let it be known that I was coming here, somebody talked to somebody who talked to somebody who found out something and I get a call saying, Hey, can you, can you be on this phone call in five minutes? And that's how it kind of works, but it didn't happen overnight. I mean, sure. I've been, Everything from the office assistants in a bell bonds company, Mm -hmm. um, which some interesting stories there. I've worked (laughs) for retail. I've delivered pizza to the barracks in checkered (laughs) pants. Um, I have worked in education and career. And it's just been for me. I like to tell people, you know, when someone asks me. I don't charge when I help with resumes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that for military spouses Mm -hmm. and veterans um, because I know how hard it is. And maybe one day that will change and I I will decide that that's my path that I want to go. Mm -hmm. But for right now, a lot of it is I feel like I've I've got the bruises to prove that I've made those wrong turns. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if I can help someone else not trip over that branch, that's going to cost them two or three years. I want yeah. to help t- to do that. Yeah. So um, let's, let's and I think most that. of us want to help to do that. Yeah. Oh, completely. Um, so let, let's talk about that. Um, because we also talked about a little bit about, um, failure and, and trying to not be afraid to fail. Um, and I mean, and I'll inject just one more thing as I feel like, Sometimes I, when I talk to military spouses, uh, they see the sort of randomness of their resume as a failure of some sort, or uh, I'm not, it, it like, 
it makes them less valuable or, you know, and I personally love the analogy of it looks like you're in the witness protection program. (laughs) You've got all these crazy jobs. Um, you know, but I, but honestly, I, I just don't think that we should see ourselves that way. And I, I mean, if nothing else, it, 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 to me, that kind of resume on, and from a military spouse just looks amazing. It looks like, wow, you have, you were trying to do whatever you could to be fulfilled, to make an, an income. You know, those are really, um, valuable qualities and traits and people that drive and that initiative. I think that's really what that shows, uh, especially, you know, if you know, I mean, clearly you might have an education or a, uh, an initial career um, experience. That's something besides, you know, delivering pizzas and checkered pants, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you, you had to do it at one point and the, and good for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. So let's talk about uh, being okay with kind of, failure, not seeing certain things as failure, but really being, you know, true failure, being okay with it and taking risks. I think there's, there's two parts to what you're kind of asking here. Um, So I'll address the first part that I'm kind of, um, and I'll make it in mission. Mm -hmm. Okay. So up until the last few years, I was very hesitant to ever mention that I was a military spouse to, um, put that on my professional arena at all. Um, Mm -hmm. Even mentioning I'm a military spouse on LinkedIn is something that's only been in the last year Mm -hmm. that I've followed that hashtag or allowed myself to share articles on that. And I was one of those, how do I hide this on my resume? They're going to see by location. And I looked at it as a fault. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I looked at it that way because that was the perception I was getting from everybody around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have employers and I have had an employer tell me straight out that they were not hiring me because I was a military spouse and they weren't, they knew I was not going to stay. So it was, mm-hmm. do I lie and pretend like he's going to retire from here and we've made this decision and he's getting out, um, which I could never ethically do, mm-hmm. um, or just accept that I've lost this opportunity. So I did everything I could to kind of hide that portion. And I think, it didn't benefit me. And it took me years to realize, and I'm still realizing and and putting myself out there that there is strengths in -hmm. all of those different positions. And Mm -hmm. all of those different positions have led to where I'm at now, what my brand is, what Mm -hmm. I believe in, and what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So when it is time to move again, when it was time to move here, I knew what I was looking for. I knew what I wanted, what I didn't want, what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And that's a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. I know that I am adaptable. Mm -hmm. I know I can learn quick. I know that I can accept change and change management is huge. Mm -hmm. No matter what field you're in, the ability to be resilient and manage change is a huge skill that military spouses have. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't speak for the majority. I I can only give my impression, but my impression of military spouses is that we are resilient. Mm -hmm. We do adapt. We can learn really quick. Mm -hmm. We can be independent, which is great for those that are looking at like remote positions and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. I mean, I worked remotely for a university for a short while, and I think I did that successfully because I was used to having to do things on my own and not rely on someone else to take care of it. Sure. 
things like being willing to ask questions Mm -hmm. and find the resources because how many of us have ended up in the middle of nowhere with no family, no friends, and you got to find Walmart, right? (laughs) You got to find the Walmart and the Target. And once you've found those, Gotta find something and the to do commentary, hair. you can pretty much know, and then the dreaded, let's find out who's going to do my hair. We yeah. don't even want to get into the hair and the family photos True. and, and the, the horrible <laughs> other things that go. So there's that part of that. And I think mm-hmm. you are extremely correct that we bring some strengths mm-hmm. and recognizing those as strengths mm-hmm. instead of focusing on the other side. I also had to learn that, did I really want to work? Mm-hmm. For a company that didn't value that yeah. I was a spouse, because if they were already saying that from the front or they were already counting me out from the front, that meant if my spouse got called up on a deployment or had to be gone mm-hmm. for a long time, they weren't going to give me that work life balance that I was going to need right. to be a spouse of someone in the service whose career is not always predictable. hmm normally not predictable. So that's the first side of it. The second side Mm -hmm. of it with risk and failure is because you're constantly being put in new situations, you're always going to run the risk that it's not going to be perfect. It's Mm -hmm. not going to work out. And this is an opportunity. I'm trying to say how I want to put this. So to me, doing this podcast was risky. It was scary for me. Um, mm-hmm. I talk in front of a class every day. <laughs> I network with people all the time, but I am a true introvert when it really <laughs> comes to it. But it was not just that. It's it's very vulnerable to put yourself out there and say, yes. this is who I am and this is my story and these are my beliefs. And, and not everybody's so pleasant to military spouses. There's mm-hmm. a lot of negative um, stereotypes and things. Sure. So for me, this was... I'm taking a risk of failure. I'm taking a risk of not saying the right thing or something coming across wrong. But if I don't take the risk, I also don't get the opportunity. I don't get the opportunity to help someone or to move forward. And when you're constantly having to face change, which we, everybody faces change. It's the only constant, but we seem to face it a little bit more than like my sister does, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you have to be willing to take those chances and ask mm-hmm. for those chances and accept that they may fail. And that's okay because you're learning something from the failure. Absolutely. And like you said, there, there are opportunities. I think it's brilliant to um, just kind of look at this. I definitely learned this while I was working with the Military Spouse Technology Academy is, um, you know, it, to not get stuck on it's it's not the opportunity, as in it's not the only opportunity that's going to come your way. <laughs> it's very hard to put yourself out there to even apply for a job, to interview for a job, to talk to people about a job. But if it doesn't work out, all it means is that wasn't your opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> and that has nothing to do with whether or not you're good, whether or not you're valuable, none of that. It just, it, it wasn't your opportunity. Next. <laughs> and just, and it's so hard. It's easier said than done. But I think over the years, probably because I'm older now and I'm kind of like, I'm over it. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> I'm like, okay, if this didn't work out for me next, there's something else. But always be working on that something else. Like you said earlier on, it's not just about trying for one thing and hoping and praying that you get that. It's, you know, cast a lot of lines <laughs> out there, you know, um, see what is out there and put yourself out there in more than one 
place, not just I'm putting myself out there for this one job and that's the job I'm going to get or whatever. Even if it's not a job, it's just another opportunity or something. It's okay to not have that work out because there's something else that's going to work out. Exactly. And and if you understand who you are and what you want, that's easier to do. Yeah. And, and the biggest struggle is figuring that out. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in my 40s and still learning and still mm-hmm. figuring out daily. And what I wanted to do at 20 is totally different than what I want to do now. Sure. And that changes and adapts. And that happens for everybody. But for me, my advice going, you know, for that is there's an, a tie in between luck and opportunity and work. Mm-hmm. And you might luck into a position, but you still have to put in the work. The luck just mm-hmm. doesn't happen. The luck is I've been working on my LinkedIn. I've kept it going. I've kept my professional relationships and an opportunity came across that somebody thought of me. Mm-hmm. And then they just called me and said, I think you're perfect. Okay. We call that luck, but it's not really luck. It's, it's a combination of taking those extra steps sure, and consistently looking for what's out there and, and where can I contribute? And sometimes you're going to be at a location where it just doesn't match up, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you can't take as you're doing and go network. Yeah. And go reach out to volunteer organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and what can I do in that aspect that might eventually lead to an opportunity? So you, there's, if you have to have a job, there's going to be times that you're going to have to take a job mm-hmm. to have a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you can't still focus on having a career. Mm-hmm. That career just isn't going to be a straight line like we picture it when you graduate college and you think this is what I went to college for and I'm going to find a job in it. And that's what I'm going to do for the next 20 years. and I'm going to get my nice, beautiful watch and retire and everything's going to be wonderful. That doesn't even happen outside of the military spouse world anymore. That's just not reality. Most people don't stay with the company that long and we don't work that way. So accepting that your employment journey or your career journey might look more like a tree. It's Mm going to branch out and it might even have some broken branches, but that's okay. Because Mm -hmm. what happens when a branch breaks off or a a rose dies, if you kind of just clip it and learn the lesson, it grows back. Mm -hmm. So that's how you're growing. And as long as you're consistently moving forward, you're going to get to where you want to get. And that's looking for the opportunities Sometimes it's as simple as doing a Google search and putting in military spouse and available training in the area and seeing programs like the one that you were involved in for Microsoft that Mm -hmm. give people an opportunity there. Um, Taking those small steps. And for a lot of us, when we talk about failure, it's different for each person, risk and failure. Mm -hmm. Um, One person's risk threshold might be a lot lower than mm-hmm. someone else's risk threshold. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I might be more willing to go into a chamber event and, mm-hmm. and talk to someone because it's something I've done in the past. Whereas for someone else, that might be a complete risk. That's scary. I don't want to even try it. Nobody's going to like me. Nobody's going to talk to me. And it can even be social events. Right. So we each have our own. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? 
tolerance. tolerance. We each have our own tolerance. The idea is pushing yourself past that tolerance and being okay with when it fails or if it fails, that as you said, it's just an opportunity for something else. Mm-hmm. And we learn something on each one of those. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just something getting out of your way so you can get to the thing you're supposed to get to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I look at it. <laughs> exactly. So is there anything specific that you want to talk about with regard to like job search and relationship building? Because definitely you brought up some really good points about how um, sometimes it's the people in your network. It could be your neighbor. It could be anybody, somebody that you just randomly talk to that connects you with different opportunities. Um, You just never know. And to me, that takes more. That's we, we go back and forth between the networking idea and the relationship building idea. But I honestly think it's better to look at things as relationships because I wouldn't say I'm networking with somebody that I just met at the grocery store. Or something. Right. But, you know, I may like we may be making a friendship and we may have something in common and I'm trying to build a relationship with her. I'm not trying to be like, here's my card and your bowl. You know what I mean? And, and there is a difference. Yes. And networking, I think, can fall into relationship building. Yeah, but sure. yes, definitely building relationships when it comes to your job search and stuff is realizing it's a two-way street, mm-hmm. giving as much as you're taking. Um, perfect example, we were talking in class um, about Facebook and how people from high school will reach out to you and you haven't talked to these people in forever and they'll say, oh, you've never changed. And why is that? And it's because at the core of us, our values and our stuff, what we identify with that person, that person still identifies with that. So that's what they see. That's why they say you haven't changed, even though you've changed immensely mm-hmm. in the you know 20 something years some, since high school. But you built a relationship based on something, a foundation and maintaining those relationships and your personal relationships and professional relationships can lead to opportunities in the employment world. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think your personal ones even lead to more Mm -hmm. if they are constantly and consistently developed, but it's being genuine. Mm -hmm. And I go back to, and I know I keep kind of harping on this, but it really goes back to being genuine to who you are. Mm -hmm. If you can figure out to use a, a key phrase, your brand Mm-hmm. What makes you who you are, what you like to do, what value you bring. Then even when you're networking, you're building relationships because it's coming across and they're seeing you as a genuine person. And it's not a elevator pitch that's rehearsed and stiff. And I'm going to throw you some new keywords out here. Mm-hmm. You may be still throwing those same keywords out, but if you believe it. And it's truly who you are. And you have that understanding of yourself when you present that to someone else, whether it be at a a social event that you're talking to or somebody you run into in the commissary or you're just talking about who you are, your professional identity becomes a part of your personal identity. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's not much of a separation. Who I am in my personal life is not really that different than who I am in my professional life. Mm -hmm. And once those matched a little bit more, it was almost like that's when I found my calling. Mm-hmm. When those two things came together and I could feel passionate about what I was doing, then it was like, now I'm on the right track. 
Right. Yeah. I think that's a good indicator, by the way. Like if you feel like you have to be two different people in your work, you know, which is probably not a good thing to say, because I think sometimes people when people who serve in the military, sometimes that that's a reality for them. But, you know, the military is a very specific environment. So I could understand why you have to be one very specific way in that environment and another way at home or with your friends and family. Um, I get that. But I think as far as my own experience, I, I think you're absolutely right. The more I think the more time has gone on and the happiest I've been is where the the person who I believe is the real the real me, quote unquote, and the person I show up as at work are the same person, you know? Um, And I think, yeah, I I hear, and I've read so much talk about that, you know, like, Oh, you you must be this professional person in your workplace and you can be this person here. I, you know, why not be the same person in both places? I mean, (laughs) and, and that's like the dream thing to be right. Because I don't want to have to be anybody but myself. And it goes back to what you're saying about when you're representing yourself as a military spouse, I don't want to be hired by a company who's off put by me being a military spouse. I don't exactly because, because my life is going to happen. And if they can't be um, compassionate or understanding about that, well, then there, there goes that job right off the bat. So it's just much better in my opinion to be upfront about those things. There's nothing, there's no opportunity in my mind that's worth hiding who, who I am. Um, Cause there's already so many things about each of us that people can tell when they meet us, when they look at us, when they hear our voice, whatever it is, people are already exactly. reading those things. And being a military spouse is a huge part of my identity at this point in time. So I definitely, I'm with you, like <laughs> no hiding that anymore, but we understand why. I mean, there's a lot of discrimination out there in the workplace and a lot of judgment and stereotypes, but at the same time, you know, spare yourself the, the agony <laughs> of working with people who don't understand us in our community um, and, and let it be out there. Um, is there any other advice that you want to give to military spouses who are either looking for jobs or just contemplating like, what's next? What am I going to do next? Don't be afraid to ask. Don't, don't be afraid to reach out there now, especially I'm starting to see more of a turn towards a focus in military spouse employment that hasn't been there. And, you know, the unemployment rate along military spouses is just outrageous. I think the last time I had looked, it was four times the national average, Mm -hmm. um, which is just a crazy number. Yeah. But don't be overwhelmed by that to think that that means it's impossible Mm-hmm. Because it, it's not impossible. And, and going back to what we were just saying, you know, being yourself professionally and personally, what I'm really getting to is, you know, the core of who you are. So, yes, you know, your language on a Saturday may not be your language on a, on a Monday. That's that. And I don't think that's what you're implying or, or I'm implying. But just being comfortable with who you are. And as you said, a military spouse is a part of that. And that's something that's been a journey for me. And I'm finally accepting it because there are so many negative stereotypes. And even using the term, I'm a military spouse, I've heard people, well, why are you defining yourself that way? You're just a spouse like any other spouse in in the world. And why are you making that a thing? But the truth of the matter is there are strengths Mm -hmm. and weaknesses that come along with that identity. And it's not my full identity. Right. But it is a portion of my identity. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you with the not being afraid to put that out there and going along with that. That means don't be afraid to take the, 
advantage of the opportunities that are now being offered. Mm -hmm. Look for those resources. Ask the questions. Don't don't be afraid and assume that it's just not going to happen. The hardest it's it's like when you start college. I always said the hardest thing about starting college is not college. The hardest <laughs> thing is calling the admissions counselor and getting started. Yeah. Once you do that, everything falls into place. And job searching is a 24 hour, seven day a week thing when you're doing it, especially when you don't have another job. Mm -hmm. But it takes being willing to go to a network event, put mm -hmm. yourself out of your comfort zone, take the chance that you're going to fail, mm -hmm. talk to people. And that's where I go back to if you know what your message is. So I know who I am and I know what I want to do. And that's like, again, that may not be a job title, but I know I want to do this. I want to serve people or I want to help people or I want to be in charge of a project, whatever it is that you want to do. If you can communicate that, it's going to communicate in natural conversations. Mm -hmm. And those natural conversations at a barbecue or at a networking event or anywhere else where your message is the same across everything because it is who you are. That's where those opportunities are going to come from. And then it's just keeping your eyes open to the opportunities. Because mm -hmm. I can think back to times where I let opportunities go right past me right. because I wasn't focused on that. I was so focused on what was wrong with the duty station we were at or how much I didn't like this or how much I didn't like this instead of focusing on um, well, the best advice my mom ever gave me as a military spouse herself for 20 years, she said, every installation that you ever go to, no matter where that may be, has something mm -hmm. of value, something beautiful and something worth looking at. And that means you have to leave your house and quit <laughs> crying because you left the perfect place mm -hmm. and yep. move forward to find <laughs> that. So it's taking that attitude. Attitude goes along with it. Um, a crazy little piece of advice I'll throw out there. And it's, it's something um, I embarrassed myself in my class. And I embarrass myself with every class that I have about this. But it's um, the idea of power poses and power songs <laughs> and being willing to, you know, take a two minute break in the bathroom before you go in an interview or before you go into that networking event or that social event or you know the new club that you're trying out because you're in a new place and you just want to try it and doing your little power pose for two minutes um or listening to your song I do both and <laughs> okay. mine are completely you embarrassing it. you gotta share it <laughs> okay so um my power pose mm -hmm. is John Travolta from Saturday Night Fever Awesome. So if you picture him with his hand up and the other hand down yeah. doing the nice seventies group, um, <laughs> that is my power pose. I is the screen saver on my phone so that if I need a little pick me up and my song is staying alive by the Bee Gees, who I happen to absolutely love. <laughs> and it makes me laugh and it makes me smile and it puts me in the mood to be positive. And if I take a moment and go into a bathroom or do it in front of a classroom of 10 transitioning soldiers who are going <laughs> to laugh for 30 minutes after I do it, I walk away with a smile. 
even talking to you about it, I laugh and I smile and it makes me positive. So I think every person, there's a wonderful lady who does a TED Talk on body language. And I please, I hope I don't butcher her name. It's Amy Cudley, I believe. Um, And she talks a little bit about power poses in her speech that she gives. And I show that to every class that I have before I embarrass myself with a power pose so they at least understand it. But it's all about getting yourself in the right frame of mind. And it's proven that if you can smile and if you can feel happy and you can put yourself in that state, you're going to be more confident and you're going to be okay with walking in there. It's not going to be perfect. The nerves aren't going to completely go away, but you're going to come across better. Mm -hmm. So it's silly. I know it's silly. Um, I love it. I get teased about it all the time. But today I did have um, one of them mention that they think they have their power pose and was even willing to show it. And I was thrilled. That's amazing. I, that was going to be my question was, does anybody in your class, are, are they brave enough to stand up there and be like, all right, my power pose is this and my power <laughs> song is, you know, white snake, here I go again. I don't know. <laughs> I got a couple power songs today. <laughs> there you um, go. One power pose, one in the past. In my last class, they all, um, they were a little bit of a smaller class, so they were a little more willing. But as I've told people, nobody has to ever know your power pose. Nobody ever has to ever know your power song, but it's kind of like Rocky Mm -hmm. and, you know, Rocky's got that song when he's running up to his statue and everything he's doing. That's what it entails. It's just what's going to motivate me to be in the right frame of mind. Mm -hmm. And anything like that to me is probably the, the last piece that I would say that goes along with being willing to step out and take those opportunities and risk the failure is pumping yourself up before you do it and learning to laugh at yourself and laugh at some of those. And I have to come home and decompress after all that because I am very introverted. So I need my, you know, calm down time after (laughs) I get on there, but I call it almost like putting on a uniform. And in the morning when I get in my car and I open my phone to hook it up to my um, radio, because I don't have actual radio in my car. Uh, I has to do it from the iPod. The first thing I see is John Travolta in that pose. And it makes me smile and it makes me ready for the day. And if I've had a really, really bad day the day before, I might even start off the next morning singing, staying alive at the top of my lungs in my beetle on the way to work, mm-hmm. hoping nobody can hear me. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love, it. I love it so much. I know I'm already thinking, like, what is my power? power I song? would like to know your power pose. So you will have to think about it and get back to me on that. I, I So I think my power pose would be like, uh, I think it wasn't Napoleon Dynamite, but it was his brother. And it's a meme that everybody likes to share all the time where he's like, yes. <laughs> that would be like my power pose. <laughs> like, yes. Because it just makes me laugh hysterically <laughs> like, to think about like I am so cool and I have done this yes and then I, love uh, it. I think I actually had considered for a little while 
getting like a little miniature figurine of, I don't know if you've seen the animated movie Trolls, but I've seen it about a thousand times. Thank you, children. <laughs> and uh, and Poppy, the Princess Poppy with the pink hair, she's fantastic because she's like the most optimistic person in the entire world. And she sings that song, Get Back Up Again. And it's, you know, the whole song makes me laugh because she's just constantly getting beat up or like spit out by monster plants or whatever. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> you know in the end she's like completely destroyed she almost gets killed but she's just like I'm gonna do it I'm okay (laughs) that's perfect I love that and my kids are older so I have no clue what you're talking about but now I'm gonna have to go watch this because that sounds like the ultimate power song it's called get back up again and I'm sure it is on YouTube but it is just (laughs) hilarious because she's just like oh she just gets so beat down but she's like I'm okay (laughs) and that's pretty much what it is it's it's an opportunity to bring yourself back when you're you're beat down how do I pump myself back up again um the she talks about the most famous one, of course, is the Wonder Woman pose. Yes. You know, the Wonder Woman or the Superman pose. Yes. But it's what speaks to you and it's going to be different for every person. And some people aren't going to like the idea of the pose, but they like the idea of the song. I happen to like the combination of the two <laughs> uh, because it does put me in the right frame of mind to go forward. So I'm stuck a little bit in the 70s. <laughs> I love it. I love the seventies. I love the BGs. I was going to say like one of my favorite movies is Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which very few people have seen, but it is, it stars the BGs. And I was reading an article the other day saying that that movie single-handedly destroyed the BGs and Peter Frampton's careers. (laughs) I think that is a lie. Considering how many of their songs are still around and we still (laughs) sing. And the fact that I clean house to them about once a week at the top of my lungs, (laughs) I do not think the Bee Gees have lost their career at all. Um, So, but that, that's, we have to stay positive and there's so much negative things around the military spouse Mm -hmm. world. And even when you're reading online, it's so focused on what we don't have or what, what's missing and the challenges and getting to, you know, that growth mindset type of thing that mm-hmm. it's okay if it's not going to work out, right. but I'm willing to ask the questions. I'm willing to look for the information. I'm willing to try the resources. And the wonderful thing for the other introverts out there like me is that we do have the internet mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily have to go down to the goodwill career solutions or the department of labor and walk in anymore there. You know, I can, reach out online and make a connection and then build myself up to, to go do that. Listen to my power song on the way, but already have some of those things set into place. And there are uh, so many resources out there now that are inviting spouses in, Mm -hmm. you know, some of them have been veteran only for so long, but now they're inviting spouses in. And I think part of the struggle is, getting to the military spouses and getting the message out that there are these opportunities and that these are resources are there and that it's not just the location that you're at. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how to solve that challenge. If I did, I'd, you know, be fabulous. Um, But I think small things like what you're doing here is just amazing. And I'm grateful to you for the opportunity to talk to you, even though I've been a nervous wreck and I think I've stumbled over a couple words. Um, This is you taking the risk to put yourself out there Mm -hmm. 
um, and do this and others that I can think of that I have seen and other organizations that I have seen lately and some that are even saying, you know, we are solely focused on military spouses. That just blows my mind. The idea that they're willing to be brave enough to say, I'm not tying it in to the service member. I'm not tying Mm -hmm. it into anything else. I'm saying I'm willing to help a military spouse. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. To me, that's just progress. Right. Yeah. And I think people more and more are recognizing that the military spouse is kind of the, the way to... Um, connect with the service member also because we are kind of the center of the household. And I know um, there's a great organization that I plugged into um, before I left Washington. It's run by um, two great guys, um, Bill and Chad, but they, they run an organization called Vet Tribe in, in Kitsap County in Washington state. And what I loved was the very first moment when they called me and were like, well, do you, would you be interested in coming to our meetups? Cause they're just trying to have meetups for veterans. Cause they don't have a lot of um, networking meetups for transitioning veterans up in Kitsap County. It's mostly down by Joy Base Lewisham Court. Right. And uh, so they're like, we're going to do something for veterans up here. So I'm like, sure. Yeah. Cause, and their rationale was, well, you know, we think if we get spouses to be supportive of income, that maybe we'll get more transitioning service members to come. I'm like, I think that is very wise. <laughs> I would agree with that. And I can tell you that my husband would agree with that because he has said many times um, he'll come back from a brief or something and I'll say, well, what did they say? We're getting ready to transition. What happened? I, I don't know. Um, so in his job, what he does with the military, and I I won't reveal too much, but he works with them on kind of on the opposite side of I, of my position, but he will tell people when he's counseling them, um, bring your wife, right. (laughs) Or bring your husband. Um, and it may be because they're so, they have so much already on their plate on the military side Mm -hmm. that those details are not what they can focus on. So the spouse, he or she comes in and is able to kind of focus on those details and ask those questions that maybe just because of situation, they don't feel comfortable asking and and we can ask. Yeah. Well, that's the truth. And that's definitely a struggle my husband and I have been having recently is that whole, you know, like, what are, what are you doing? What am I doing in the family? But I, I have to step back and kind of remind myself, like when I listen to him have a conversation about work, I understand maybe three words out of the 3000 that he speaks because he's dealing with something extraordinarily technical. A lot of the time, I just, you know, nothing, I like, I couldn't imagine having to retain all of that and not get any sleep for like two days and, you know, things like that. So I understand, you know, it's like, no, you don't really know where the dentist is for (laughs) for the kids right now. And I, I get that and that's okay. I'll write it down in the calendar just in case, you know? um, So it's just, yeah, spouses are kind of that, that spot where we're, we are the connector for many people and we are the keeper of many things and all the more reason why I feel so compelled to, to support other spouses and to give other spouses a voice and a place here. So I'm so glad that you were willing to do this. You did a great <laughs> job. I'm so proud of you. Um, and so we'll just wrap up. Um, I like wrapping up with something that um, we're grateful f- for today. So what's one thing that you would say you're grateful for today? Today, I think I am grateful, honestly, for my spouse and, and my two kids, that um, one who's home from college and one's getting ready to go to college. Um, 
my oldest graduated already, so she's already working. Oh my gosh. But you talked about the relationship and the dynamics and, and figuring out your connections and what your role is. And um, when you do, you are a spouse who has a career, There, there's a fine dance that happens mm-hmm. and the relationship between you and your spouse is vital and how that fine dance has. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful that I have a spouse that is downstairs right now making hamburger helper for him <laughs> and the kids, which I absolutely hate and refuse to eat. <laughs> And they took it as excitement because it was, who mom's not cooking tonight, so we get to have whatever we want. And I was thinking meatloaf or spaghetti or something like that. But they are downstairs, and I can hear the music where they're playing games. And I'm going to go downstairs, I'm going to smell this horrible hamburger helper, and it's going to turn my nose. But I'm so grateful mm-hmm. that I have a partner that knows that this is important to me. Mm-hmm. And knows that my career is important to me. So right now it's it's a podcast with you and it's getting the opportunity to dialogue and have um, just some conversation, which I've greatly enjoyed. But it could be a meeting with a coworker. Mm-hmm. It could mm-hmm. be a volunteer opportunity I'm doing or a mentor that I'm talking to. And if he wasn't willing to have that relationship with me, it wouldn't work. So that's what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for the crazy man downstairs making hamburger helper. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I'm grateful for my crazy man upstairs. <laughs> Probably making something, not hamburger helper. I don't know, but whatever he makes, the kids love it anyway. <laughs> they just love spending time. Never fails. They always love what they cook better. I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> Well, and after this, I get to go out to dinner and uh, hang out with more cool military spouses. So. Well, that's amazing. So. so we're doing great today. Well, thank you so much, Dina. I appreciate your time and all of your insight and just your wonderful personality. It's been a pleasure. And well, thank you. And I, I've learned a lot in this. And I'm definitely going to keep thinking about my power pose. And, my <laughs> and I might ask my husband what his might be. I just... Be, if you're willing, share it, share it. You could just share it with me in a message on LinkedIn or just right. let me know. But I would love to know what you finally decide <laughs> is your power pose and where you went. And hopefully I made sense and um, did. people do get some resources after them. I feel kind of like I ramble sometimes, but I yeah. greatly enjoy this and I appreciate um, you're wanting to speak to me. Yeah. I question myself all day. Do I really have something to say that's worth saying? Um, but you made me feel like I did. So I greatly yeah. appreciate that. You do be confident in that because I talk a lot to a lot of people about all this stuff and I learned, I learned good new things here. And I think I learned some really good, um, I don't like to say coping skills, but certainly some really good skills to apply to like when I'm, thinking about things or struggling with things. I think you, you provided a lot of great advice for that. So thank you. We all have to get out of our head. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Into the power pose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, Dina. Thank you. I'd like to wrap up this episode with a special listener thank you and shout out to my friend Lisa Relag, who's been sending me notes with her thoughts on some of the episodes lately. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate and learn from that. Anytime you all send me feedback, it's just, it's so fantastic. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time. So thanks, Lisa. It's been helpful and insightful. And thank you, Dina, for giving us more to think about with this conversation. 
One thing I want to mention since it's the end of the year is that I've jumped on the Danielle Laporte planner bandwagon for 2020. Instead of planning based on what I want to do, I'm making 2020 about how I want to feel. If you're interested, you can learn more at my affiliate link at planner.soandbecoming.com and check it out. As always, you'll learn more about me and the show at soandbecoming.com. I'll be back next Tuesday with episode 22 with my guest, Gems Collins. Take care of yourselves and we'll chat soon. Bye for now.